0: Turn to the book of John as we remain standing, please. John chapter 5. It's wonderful to have Heidi Capo here. <laughs> Heidi and Tim Capo have been on our staff here for a while. They lead the work over there in um, Bristol Bay. You'll have mercy this morning, I pray for me, as I uh, do not know what what day or hour my physical body is in. I'm just glad to be here. We, day is night, night is day. We complete reversal of hours, and then we flew for 30, and we're just glad to be breathing and alive. Amen. Book of John, chapter 5. Let's read from verse 1. It is our tradition uh, and habit and discipline to have notes for you, but not today. John chapter 5 and verse 1. After this, there's a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. That has all new meaning for me now. Because you have to go up to go there from any direction. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. I'm trying. Oh, we might have church this morning. (laughs) Okay. Verse 2, verse 2. Here we go. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida. Or Bethesda, as in other words to say that, it's pronounced a number of different ways. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years, verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? I want you to say that. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir. I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Everybody say that. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. And the Jews therefore, here comes the Sabbath police, and the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it's the Sabbath, it's not lawful for, for you to carry your bed, and he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk, and they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place verse 14 afterward jesus found him in the temple and said to them said to him see you've been made well sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you and the man departed and told the jews that it was jesus who made him well holy spirit we pray come and give us living understanding The word, God, today as it was preached, Lord, would burn faith in our hearts. Lord, your word goes forth, it doesn't return void. I pray, God, even in the weakness of my lack of sleep, that you would come and overtake me, enable me to preach, to declare, to proclaim the gifts of the Spirit would operate today. Lord, that you would have your will and have your way this morning in all of our lives for the glory of God. And when we leave this place, we'll know that you've spoken to us. Come and do what you love to do. Release all that's in your heart. Let the kingdom of God come even now. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You may be seated. We are in a unique time as a church and As an extension, and for those of you that may not be aware of the vision of KC, we are one church in many locations, about 124 right now. Uh, And some news about our extension in Florida, this is the first news that's made to the congregation, but we are closing our extension in Florida, we've had some challenges and seen uh, not just child, challenge challenges always in planting a church, but we felt that the Lord would have us pull back at this season, and so we are doing that. Uh, and uh, Minister Trent and his uh, lovely wife and uh, Peyton are going to be moving back to Alaska to assist us here, uh, as well as in the church plant that we'll be doing in the Eagle River. We are in the... Uh, we're in the midst of a vision called the One, Two, Three vision. We're believing in the next five years, actually four and a half now, that we here in Alaska, the extension here in Alaska, this is the one you're in. We'll plant one church a year. Uh, two, we'll have um, uh, two missions trips a year that we will take to help our international works. And three, in the next five years, we're believing God to be 3,000 people in attendance weekly. Amen. Somebody say Amen. All right. Really, all that is is about three hundred small groups, about three hundred leaders, and you'll hit about three thousand people. It's pretty easy to do. I have faith for that, and we're excited about it. You be praying for the brooms, Minister Trent and Amy Broom. They're returning back here, and so we're excited about just doing the will of the Lord. We we put our hand to it, did the very best we could, and uh, we've just seen that the Lord has shut the door. So we have sowed seeds. We'll believe God to bring forth the harvest. Maybe at another time, but for right now, we're gonna uh, we're gonna reel them back and strike out at eagle river as the Lord the Lord opens up the doors for that. This is a fascinating passage of scripture. Fascinating indeed. It's interesting to me that in Jerusalem there are uh, basically no springs within the walls, no pools within the walls of Jerusalem. The only way that there is a pool actually there is by being brought in by aqueducts. In fact, uh, we had the opportunity of walking through um, the aqueduct there it 's next to hezekiah 's uh, aqueduct i 'm trying to remember the name of it if you were if you were claustrophobic, you would not go want to go on that part of the tour very, very enclosed but tremendous uh, engineering of how they would bring water in from outside the city into into the city and into these pools and there 's a number of pools. In fact, we stood at the place of si- Siloam, uh, which means scent. And uh, that was supposed to be in another part of the city, but they made a, a recent archaeological find. And we found ourselves actually standing there at the pool of Siloam. You know that pool. That's the pool where the blind man came to Jesus. And Jesus picked up mud and he spit it in it and he rubbed it in his eyes and he told him to wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went and he, and he, and he did that. And he was healed. He got healed. You know, you're made of mud. You're all, you're all made of dirt. You all know that. So it's fascinating that the king of kings would pick up dirt, the very thing that we're made of, and give the man a new set of eyeballs. It's a, crea- it's a creative miracle. You know, we, I heard this testimony. We had a lady that came about seven weeks ago now. It's her first time in church she got healed. She was blind, and she got her eyesight back. Got about 50% of her eyesight back, and then in the next couple weeks she got all of it back. And um, she's an elderly lady loves the Lord's been coming never misses a service she got her she got her all kinds of healing got her got her her, her deaf ears not completely deaf but mostly that were open got healed so she goes back to the doctor she told me this uh, she's been able to see really a hundred percent she has eyeglasses now but she had a cane you know the cane the, the with the red tip on the end she had a cane when she first came in and so she now has glasses and so she was, this morning I saw her and I asked her how she was doing. She said, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm not doing so well. And I said, well, what's the matter? She said, well, I went to the doctor's office and I had my eyes checked. And they looked at my eyes and checked my retinas and all the different things that were wrong. And I told them I can see and I was rejoicing. I was giving Jesus all the praise. And, and my doctor looked at me and said, no, you're not healed. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, no, your eyes are just as bad as they ever were. You can't see. She said, I can see. said, no, 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 the evidence shows us here that actually you can't see. She said, but I can see. She said, well, you shouldn't be able to. And she said, well, praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Whose report will you believe? Come on, who's the healer? Jesus. Nothing's impossible with Jesus. But an interesting thing happened. She began to lose her eyesight, and that's why she wasn't doing so well. And she said, "What am I? Am I wrong? Am I wrong, Pastor? My doctor or this and that?" I said, "No disrespect to your doctor, but don't you let unbelief come in." And I shared a story about a man who had no eyes, and uh, a, a mutual friend of the ministry stuck his thumbs in eye sockets, and he got eyes back. But actually, there's no pupil or anything; they're just white. But he but he didn't have an eyeball, so you got the eyeball just white. The only thing is, he could see. So go figure that. I mean, he can read. He learned to read and everything. He can see everything. All you do is see is white. All you see is white. You know, no. You know what I'm talking about? Like a little creepy, but he can read. <laughs> Whatever. You know. They just think they understand the eyeball. Come on, Jesus made them so. so I said, listen. whose report were you believe? I gave her that scripture. I said, I'm gonna lay hands on you again. All your eyesight's gonna return, and you're just gonna be fine. Don't you worry about it. She says, is that right? I said, that's right. So she pulled her glasses off, and I put my clean hands right on her eyes. I prayed, and all her eyesight came back, and she said, Well, praise God, I knew I could see, and then she went on. (laughs) We stood at the pool of Siloam. We stood there at the edge of this pool, and we had a healing service with Dr. Morocco, and you don't want to miss it. He'll be with us just one night on December 7th. We actually tried to find a venue to have a big Christmas dinner. We cannot find one that fits us. And the last time we tried to have a, a, a last time we tried to have a, a meal, a potluck, a pot blessing, whatever you want to call it. We don't believe in luck, that's why we call it a pot blessing. Last time we had one, we had we couldn't fit anybody in. It was really it was upsetting. You couldn't get any food. There's no room. And so we decided instead of having just natural food and a Christmas celebration, we're going to have a Holy Ghost service on a Monday night and just have a Christmas Holy Ghost time, and we'll fit as many people in here as we can. Back to this text, to this, these aqueducts from outside the city supplied the water to these pools. And uh, it's amazing. And we got to walk through those and see them, and uh, got to see the what they believed to be the water shaft that Joab climbed up when they took the city of Zion. That when they took and removed the Jebusites from Jerusalem. Some of you know that text. I've preached on it many times. Water shaft is actually probably a sewage system. And got to walk through some of those, and we're just moved by it. Do you know that? This place is like a pool. What do you mean this place? I mean our church. In fact, it's interesting that churches are supposed to be a place of healing, supposed to be a place where people are refreshed, supposed to be a place where people are touched and it's from with water that comes from an aqueduct if you will, from heaven really, from outside the city, it comes from another source and As I meditated on this on the many hours of being on the airplane, I thought about in Scripture how God speaks of pools. In Psalm 107, verse 35, He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. God has power in the midst of your life, in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of this crooked and depraved generation. God has power to refresh God has power to heal. God has power to deliver. God has power that many people aren't aware of, but that has power to bring refreshing even in the desert places of your life. In Psalm 84, and that was a, a main psalm that I felt like God spoke to us about. It's about making a pilgrimage. In Psalm 84, verse 6, it says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make the place of springs. And the autumn rains also cover it with pools. The overwhelming aspects of our church, as I've discovered and as I've traveled around, is that this place is a place of refreshing. You say, well, isn't it like that everywhere? Absolutely, positively, no. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But it is part of our DNA. It is sort of how God wired us up. We are a spirit-filled church with making no apology for it. And, And in fact... I would to God that Jesus would come himself, lay hands on all of us, and we'd end up underneath our chairs. I mean, that's like my prayer every week. Lord, come and just touch us. And we believe in the teaching of the word, and and we believe in in expository teaching, and, and it's very, very important, in fact, crucial. But if all you do is has the word, you'll just dry up, and if all you do is has the spirit, then you'll end up being weird. Come on, don't raise your hand if you know some weirdos. Not not grounded in the Word. Right. Church is really God's idea, and it really is a place where springs of refreshing should flow. It's a great privilege uh, I've discovered. And sometimes I forget it, but when I travel, I'm I'm reminded of it. Some of you've been here so long, you really don't you don't really remember what it's like to be in a church that's stiff and dead. And we have a lot of great churches at the Valley, and I thank God for the body of Christ. I was around some of the most incredible, um, choking religion that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was overwhelming to be around dead, pharisaical religion, a form of religion that had no power that I could tell that people were in bondage. And I was overwhelmed by it. And I began to thank God for what He's done here and what He's doing. And, and I think maybe we're at ankle, ankle deep. Come on, how many of you know we can go deeper in God? But I'm so thankful for what He's doing. I'm so thankful for the miracles. I'm so thankful for the leaders that are rising up. This text... There's some insights uh, from it that I want to point out just very briefly. Some lessons. I think the first thing that jumps out at me, well, is the fact that we actually saw it. It's one thing to, to read about something, it's another thing to go put your hands on the stone, actually. Sayada having five porches, all these sick people, all the world is like that, waiting for some kind of stirring. This angel goes down apparently to trouble and stir the water, and the first one in gets healed. In the middle of this miraculous environment, this congregation of lame, halt, and withered people waiting, is this man. And the first thing he says as Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? I have found that many people actually don't want to be healed because their life is set up in such a way that they're locked into a a way of life that they get something out of being healed, of being sick or being lame or being wounded or being rejected they get something out of having a spirit of rejection. They have a, a way of living. They're just locked into a, a cycle of, of bondage. In fact, the bondage has become so long that it's normative for them to operate in that. And so you'd think it's strange that Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? But my question to you as I felt the Lord moving me on is to ask you, Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? That's easy just to say yes. See, but if you're on disability, if you're on disability and and you get healed, then you're going to have to give up your disability. You understand? But sometimes folks get locked into a structure, a way of believing that they just can't believe beyond the disability check. And so they get locked into staying sick. Listen, our nation is filled with this. Jesus sees right where you are today. He knows right where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knew that this man was there 38 years. And he walks up to him and he says, Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? So that's the first question I feel that the Lord's asking us. Do you want to get well? And what's fascinating is what the man says. He has a paradigm problem. And I've found that as, I travel, as we traveled in the Holy Land, as we were in these sites that are just steeped in religiosity, I've never seen so many candles. I mean, really beautiful in many ways, but, but really sad and depressing and dead. I mean, we saw the simplicity of the gospel, the simple tomb. And then you see all this stuff that gets you know put on top of it and all the things you have to do. People that have to pray for you. and Listen, you don't need a priest. That's what the Bible says. There's one mediator between God and man, and it's Jesus. And He makes you a priest over your own life and your own family. But there are some that's taken that Text out of, and I, I don't want to offend uh, anybody here, but it's just not in Scripture. You, you, have to, you have to live your life and have your faith based upon what the Word of God says. And they, they got the, the, the priest idea of mediators between, from that book of James. It says, if any of you sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church. They'll anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith will save that sick person. But it's, they took it way too far. Religion. This man says, I have no man. Yeah, I want to get well, but I have no man. And it's the saddest thing. First of all, here's Jesus. Here's the man standing there talking to him. And he says, I have no man and I have a feeling that he's looking up at Jesus the carpenter, and, and Scripture tells us that he, has, that, he, that he was not real attractive, that we should be drawn to him, that he was just a simple man. That's the way, the way they, they said. And then, of course, after his visage was marred beyond anything we can compare. And so I think he's looking at him, and you know, being a carpenter, he, you know, he probably was could pick the guy up pretty easy. And I think while he's sitting there, he's looking at This man, I think he's thinking, maybe, maybe he's going to pick me up and move me in. I have no man. He immediately begins to blame. He begins to blame why others, why he doesn't have a miracle. His idea of how he could be healed, even though the king of kings is standing there, is going to heal him. He doesn't know he's going to get healed. But in his mind, the only way to get healed is to have a man bring him into the pool. Listen today at this great pool of KC, Alaska. If we didn't call you out and prophesy over you, it's all right. If you didn't have hands laid on you today, well, you can come back tonight, or maybe we'll do that later in the service. I'm not sure, actually. Generally, we do that. And lots of miracles take place. But the truth is that Jesus can heal you while you're reading your Bible in your quiet time at home. Jesus can heal you while you're driving in your car... While you're driving in your car, listening to Christian radio station, He can heal you. He can heal you at morning prayer. He can heal you in the noon time. He can heal you at lunch. He can heal you at dinner. He can heal you while you're sleeping. Listen, I went and got got prayer from, uh, we've got some healing rooms that we're going to be beginning. I was designing all those rooms while I was in Jerusalem. I really got a kick out of that. And so we're going to be starting these healing rooms and shortly. We'll do it before we get into our building building, no doubt but I I visited on Thursday nights you guys meet right and they're going through training for that so I stopped in Thursday they all prayed for me for my elbow got a little bit of a problem with my elbows and I went to sleep that night and I felt some relief but I I went to sleep that night and I woke up in in excruciating pain I mean like almost tears and what I found myself doing was I had for those of you know anatomy I had put my fingers with a lot of pressure on my brachialis and I was extending my elbow back and forth. I was hurting myself in my sleep, and so I woke up. I'm like, ah! And I look. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But I, I realized that I was actually I was getting some healing. So I just stayed there and I continued to do that till I felt to stop. I woke up in the morning significantly healed, about three quarters healed. Listen. Praise God for the laying on of hands. We believe in it. We do it. We practice it. Wonderful. Praise God. But you know that Jesus can heal you anytime, anywhere, any place. He, um, he can have a man or a woman lay hands on you. Come on. I Or a child. Of course there's no junior Holy Spirit. I got healed by a bird singing to me. No, I'm serious. I've told the story. I was 25 years old. Riding a bike for a living. It's not exactly my picture of success back then. How do you know what success is? It's doing what God wants you to do. Amen. When he wants you to do it, it's having what God says you can have, being what God says you can be. That's what real success is. Success is in the end, hearing well done, good and faithful servant. That's what success is. But here I am 25 years old, riding a bike, and I'm thinking, I was living in my mother's house, My life seemed to be going nowhere. You know, 25, I just wasn't my picture. Live in mom's house and ride a bike. I didn't even have a car. So I'm riding my bike, and I'm like, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't raise your hand. I'm thinking what a loser I am. And I start weeping and and, and in sorrow, like, God, I'm a loser. And I was really brokenhearted. And I began to hear. And I looked. And some of you have heard the story. I've told it many times before. And, 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 and there's this bird singing to me, but I can't find it. And I'm traveling 15 to 20 miles an hour with a tour of 13 other bike riders behind me going down a volcano. I was a tour guide. And it, and it continues for a solid half, half a mile plus. And I look and I see this bird just flying next to me and then supernaturally i got the imparti- i got the the not the impartation the interpretation of the song that the bird was singing now you might think that's crazy but i'm telling you god spoke to me through a bird and he told me about the plan that he has for me and that it was going to be okay and that he loved me and he's working it all for good i mean it went on and on and my tears of sorrow turned to tears of joy come on god can talk to you you don't need a man except, except the man Christ Jesus. And listen, I've found there's two kinds of problems. The kind of problem when a man can't help you, then God's trying to get you connected deeper to Him. I mean, he's always trying to do that. But then there's times when you, when you pray, it's like you hear crickets. There's times when you pray or you're believing God, and it's just like the Lord's just sort of quiet. I've found at those times He's also trying to draw us closer in deeper relationship and accountability. This guy had a paradigm problem. He had a construct problem. The only way he's going to get healed is if a man comes, picks him up, and brings him in the pool. I want you to know that it is by his stripes you're healed. You don't need some angel to come stir a pool. Jesus came and paid the price for you, paid the price for me, and it's a covenant right. It's the children's bread. Healing is for the children's bread. It's children's bread. It's for you. It's for me. So if you had a picture that you're going to have hands laid on you this morning and it didn't happen, he could heal you right now. Or while you're eating lasagna later on, or drinking an espresso, or while you're sleeping. Come on, don't limit God. It's the first thing I see here in this text. The second thing I see is he had a faith problem. Jesus, I believe, is trying to lift his faith and trying to get him to another place, but he, he just couldn't imagine, he couldn't, couldn't imagine it. He was stuck. No matter where you are in your life, I'm telling you, God is bigger and greater still. He can help you. There's no problem, no trial. There's nothing that you're going through that God is not acquainted with, and he can bring you through. No temptation sees you except that which is common to man. The other thing I see here is he had a comfort problem. He liked his bed and his mat. He liked his mat. And I found that in my own life, the Lord's trying to bring me to miracles, and many times I just want to hold on to my mat. What does that mean? Well, it could be your welfare check. It could be something like that. That could be a mat. It could be literally staying in bed when God is calling you to go to morning prayer. I've, I've, I've had guests come and, and services happen where people were believing God to have something happen and, and a particular type of miracle, that miracle's released in that service, but that was the day that they decided not to come to church. That was the day they thought, no, nah, I'm just going to sleep in, I'll go Sunday night. And I, I, I don't think you have to come to every service, but you have to learn to be faithful. And, and if you're not faithful, then it's just, it's not good for you. And you miss opportunities. Yeah. This man, he uh, was so dysfunctional for so long. I think he was attached to his mat. I think the Lord's telling us today to, um, to let go of your mat. Get rid of your binky. You know what a binky is? I think Pastor Karen's mom, Grammy, she calls them suckies. Yeah, get rid of it. It's a substitute. It doesn't feed you, doesn't heal you, doesn't nourish you. Well, this is going over well. He knew that if he was going to pick up his mat, he was going to have to let go of dead pharisaical religion, and he knew he'd probably get busted by the Pharisee police. I think he also had a problem with change, and leaders usually love change, but most folks don't like change at all. And uh, this man, verse 12, so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. I don't know if you've noticed, but many times after we get a touch from God or get a healing or get a miracle, God impacts us. You'll find that he seemingly slips away. And you sort of wonder, where's the Lord? Where'd he go? I'm convinced that many times the Lord's playing a divine game of duck, duck, goose with us. That That he woos you to come closer. And if you can not obey the first thing, then you you know some of you are like, "Where's the Lord? I'm not. I don't feel His presence anymore." Listen, go back to the place where you maybe disobeyed. Go back to the place where He get back to the place where He told you to do something, and maybe you didn't do it, or you resisted, or you hesitated. And you know, I'm thankful for God's mercy and God's grace. Aren't you? Aren't you? Aren't you thankful? But Jesus slipped away, and He didn't even know who healed him. Later, verse 14, Jesus finds him in the temple and says, See, you're well, stop sinning. Now, here's the thing. First of all, he couldn't have gone into the temple before he got healed. You know why? Because he was unclean. Levitical law stated that they couldn't enter, you could not go into the temple if you were marred or you were damaged or you were unclean. And he had a he had a physical problem where he, he was lame. For 38 years. So Jesus heals him and the first thing he does, which I think is awesome, is go into the temple. Now we just had a tour, did this virtual 3D tour of the temple. I'm going to tell you, no matter what temple you went into, at what period, it was impressive. And so this guy is in the temple for the first time in his life. He's walking in the temple. And it had to be absolutely mind-blowing for him. And so Jesus comes and says, Go and sin no more. Let me ask you, how much sin can you do in the temple? No, really, tr- track with me for a second. How much sin can you actually do in the temple? I mean, do you think he's all fornicating in the temple? I don't think so. I don't think you could do that in the temple. I think the temple police definitely bust you for that. How much sin do you think he's actually doing? He's healed, he's whole, he's walking around the temple probably leaping and jumping and praising God, just absolutely excited and thrilled about what the Lord's done, but he didn't even know his name. You know what that says to me? See, many people get touched by God, they they get their lives changed, but they never take another step. They never take another step of discipleship. They never go deeper in the Word. They never go deeper in their relationship. They don't learn to develop a prayer life. They don't learn to really know Him. See, it's one thing to get touched by God, to get healed by God, even to be saved. Right. Praise God. It's the greatest miracle, I believe, of all. But the Lord didn't save you to just leave you there so that you could just walk around and thank Him every so often that you're saved. He saves you for the purpose of then being an instrument of of righteousness, of being a trophy of His grace, so that when you show up, that you have this relationship with Him, and you walk with Him, and you talk with Him, and that, that maybe even like Peter, your shadow can impact somebody. But this guy didn't even know his name, so he gets healed. He's like, Would you? he didn't even know he didn't even know his name. I don't know his name. So Jesus comes and says, "Hey." Go and sin no more. Or worse thing will come on you. Now the Lord's speaking to me about, about, about tragedy and how to handle that. I'm gonna preach to you tonight. You bring your kids, you pack this place out. It's family night, Sunday night. Don't miss tonight. we'll talk about Paris and some of the some of the things that are taking place and our view as Christians and what we should do, how we should we respond to tragedy. I'm gonna just tell you there's more to come. You pray against it, we we'll believe that, but it's the birth pains. And there's more to come, and, and maybe even in our own country. Come on, 9-11. Remember 9-11? Churches were filled. A month later, they were emptied. We need a revival. So I just want to talk a little bit about that tonight. What am I talking about? Something about a pool or something? Wow, that's like the biggest brain skip I can remember. I'll be right back. oh yeah I'm alright so he gets healed but he doesn't know his name some of you got saved but you don't know his name Oh, I'm not saying the name Jesus I don't mean that I don't mean really growing in the knowledge of God I mean really growing in the knowledge of God see if you never get really rooted and grounded and really understand who he is and what really happened to you and Why he had to die on a cross, the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And and how the gospel is really preached back in the book of Genesis at the fall of mankind. And all the types and shadows and how God wove this, what I would call a scarlet thread throughout all of history, throughout all the Old Testament. You see Him in every single book. You see Him in Genesis. You see Him in Exodus. You see Him in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You see Him through Joshua. You see Him all through the Old Testament types and shadows. He's everywhere and Theophanies and how He manifested Himself. Some of you don't even really believe that this really is the Word of God. You see, because if this isn't the Word of God, then if you're not settled that this is the ultimate authority in your life, then you can just do whatever you want to because it's all good and God loves you. But that's not true. Say, why is this God's word? Why is this God's word and something else not? Do, can you answer the question? You see, if you can't, you you you're, you need to answer those questions for yourself. Many many people. Uh, especially the, the younger generation of the high schoolers, they're graduating and they're going to universities and they're, lo- they're throwing away their faith. And the reason they are is because they have atheists that are pounding down their throat, disproving scripture, but they actually don't have enough knowledge. They don't know his name. They don't have enough knowledge of the Lord and the word to be able to combat these foolish arguments that can be easily destroyed if you've studied, if, you, if you've grown in the knowledge of God. What sin could this guy be doing in the temple? You know what? You know what I believe is the sin was he didn't know his name. He didn't know who did it, and he wasn't telling anybody. How are you going to tell him? Was oh, this guy got healed? I don't know. How are you going to tell somebody about Jesus if you don't know him? I think that was the the, the sin that this guy had. He wasn't witnessing. He wasn't sharing his faith. Well, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. It's interesting also that sin is connected. In many places in Scripture, you'll see sin connected with sickness. You'll see that sin is connected to disease. Not all the time. So if somebody has a disease, then, then they're sinning. Well, us the disciples made mention of that I said who? Who? Why was this man blind? was this sin of his. Fa- was it his sin or the sin of his parents? See, because the sin of the fathers is passed down to the third and fourth generation, but the blessings go down to thousand generations. Come on. But it's still true. It's just not for you and it's not for me to point the finger and say, hey, because that person has cancer or something, then they've got a sin problem. You don't know that. Don't don't do that. That's that's religious abuse. However, if you end up with some disease or whatever, it's good to take a deep look to see if there's something going on in your life, maybe generationally or some long-term bitterness. In fact, there's, a, there's, a, there's studies have done of roots of diseases. And I'll tell you what's amazing. What's amazing, it's a book. Uh, there's one called A More Excellent Way, I think it's called. Is that what it's called? I've forgotten the name of the author if you're interested in that. I'll henry wright thank you very much henry wright wrote a book called *The more excellent way and it's a, it's like an encyclopedia it's a big thick book and they've studied and shown roots of diseases so for arthritis there's a root for that and and when you look at it what's fascinating i found is that people who are believing to get healed in that particular area rejection so on and so forth physical ailments but also emotional ones Most of them look and go, oh my gosh, that's totally what I've struggled with. And so then, then what you can do is you can pray into that. It's just, come on. Anybody getting anything out of this message? whole bunch of other points, I just really can't remember what they are, and I'm tired. My brain's just sort of, just, so we're just going to let the Holy Spirit come here for a moment. Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. You, God, you're the one, you're the man. You're our deliverer. You're our strong tower. You're a sun and shield. You're the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. Lord, forgive us where at times we've looked for a man or had a paradigm that kept you out. Lord, we open our hearts to whatever you want to do. You're not in a box, Lord. You can heal us while we're sleeping or heal us while we're in church. You can heal us or give us miracles or release your power, Lord. Through one of your servants or just speaking to us in our quiet time. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd come upon each and every one of us. And Lord, you would give us a fresh understanding that we are your people. And that you, Lord, are not only our healer, but you're our provider. I pray for every dry place to be watered today. That the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit would come. Depression would go. The number of people struggling with depression. If you'll just believe right now, depression will leave you. In Jesus' name, depression go three or four people struggling with anxiety I mean, it's just kind of like somebody just begins to choke you, you just lose your peace and fear comes on you I command that thing today in the name of Jesus to go be healed numerous people start struggling with addiction any kind of addiction, cigarettes alcohol drugs perhaps Relationship addiction. You're addicted to being in relationship. Afraid of being alone. You're never alone. He's carved you in the palm of His hand. God wants to teach you intimacy with Him. God wants to heal you of that addiction. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, addiction go. Those struggling with nicotine, in Jesus' name. Be healed. Be free from addiction, drugs, alcohol. Loose your hold right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let a blanket of your power come right now. I pray for those, there's some struggling in your marriage. Let the Lord touch you right now. Come on, take the hand of your spouse just right where you're at. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe. Refresh. Touch families right now. Fresh weariness go. In the name of Jesus You're here. I didn't preach long; just a few more moments to close. You're here. The presence of the Lord is touching you. I believe the Lord's healing you right now. I want to join and agree with them. If that's you, just come to the front. Come all the way up to the stairs. You're just gonna to touch and agree. God's going to release miracles right now. The Spirit of God's touching you. Sense His Spirit upon you. Touching you right now. Just come all the way up to the front.
1: Yeah. Usher Healed
0: and whole. Healed and whole in the name of Jesus. Come on, just let them touch you. Lord, right now.
1: I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus.
0: Come on, put your hands together for God. Come on. Come on. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Did everybody get prayed for? Raise your hand if you didn't get prayed for And you wanted prayer. Pastor Vince, would you help us? We don't want to miss you. You're here and you're not right with God. Don't you leave this building. Don't you turn off that computer or disconnect from that podcast. You get right with God. Get right with God. There is dead Pharisaical religion that'll come after you for not doing things right, but that's not here, and that's not the God of the New Testament. He's not angry at you, God's in a good mood. And he's not moody. He loves you. He's not looking to slap you so that you could serve him better. It's His love and His kindness that leads us to repentance. If you're here, you're not right with God and you want to be made right with Him today for the first time or you know you need to recommit because you drifted away. You drifted in your walk with Jesus. You want to come home. Just a few moments and our service will be over. You want to come home. You want to come back to Christ today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right now? You want to get right with God. You want to be included in this prayer. God bless you. Let's see that hand. I see that hand, son. I see that hand all the way in the back. God bless you. Raise your hand high if you want to be included in this prayer. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Let's all pray this prayer. Right out loud say with me, say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life come into my heart be my Lord be my Savior wash me and cleanse me and make me new thank you for loving me thank you for hearing my prayer Amen let me pray for you Holy Spirit I pray fill, touch, and bless each and every one Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken